Hey, everybody, it's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And I know you want to see this next episode, but right before we do it, just want to remind you that if you have an Amazon device, whether it's a TV or a Fire Stick or Fire Cube or whatever it would be, a Fire Box, if you're old school, uh, make sure you add the CMSPN to it. Just look up CMS Podcast Network on your Amazon device add the channel and you will get every episode of all four shows for free right there on your TV. Make us part of your TV viewing every single day and night. All right. Uh, it's the CMS podcast network, cmspn.com. And it is now on Amazon. So get it. All right. All right. Here's the episode you came to see. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Talk To Me, episode 278 here on the CMS Podcast Network. That is cmspn.com for more episodes like this one. This week's guest is Matt Brandyberry of From Ashes to New. Latest album is Panic, and it is one album that will let you know that new metal is back. And I know you guys love to hear that. Very thankful to have Matt on the podcast. Very long conversation, so I will just leave you with this. Make sure to head over to cmspn.com where you can find more shows like this one, like Aftershocks, The Classic Metal Show, Drag the Waters, Talk to Me, and the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast hosted by none other than Bob Nalbandian. <laughs> so without any more of my ramblings, let's talk to Matt Brandyberry of From Ashes to New. Yeah, so you got Matt of From Ashes to New on the podcast. How you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. How are you? Not too bad. Are you up there in uh, Pennsylvania right now hanging out? I am, man. We just got some snow. Like it's uh this doesn't happen when I'm on tour, so I'm guessing it's just waiting for me to get home and just be <laughs> here and just dump snow all over the place. So um, but yeah, man, we're enjoying it, man. Just uh I've been working on some stuff digitally, you know what I mean? Just, I got a little studio here at home, so just been uh, hanging out here and working on stuff. Nice, man. I kind of feel like there's like a, a, a small scene up there in like the Lancaster area. Like, it isn't like Breaking Ben from up there, and then like the guys in Cold are up there now. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like kind of a crazy time up there. Wait, the dudes from Cold are up here now? Yeah, uh, he's, he's somewhere up there. Yeah. Really? I, I did check that out. That would make sense if Scooter and Ben did something together there. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, for Ben, I don't know about the rest of the guys because they're all, you know, from different bands and stuff, but Ben's from the Wilkes-Barre area, which is about two and a half hours from me. Yeah. Um, and he got hailstorms from Red Lion, which is like the York area, which is like 15 minutes. I actually used to live in Red Lion. Um, I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of bands from, from this area. I mean, I could go down a list and, and we could be there all day. Fuel live. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't, I say that there's just nothing else to do here. Right. So yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Is the uh, is the crocodile rock was that around that area where you're at? Yeah, it's Allentown, so it's like two hours. It's okay. Not, doesn't exist anymore. So you're basically like two hours from everything, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like the bands that are really from like my immediate area is yeah. like August Burns Red okay. and Live is from York, Fuels from Harrisburg. Like so like it's kind of there's like four cities in this area. It's Lancaster, York, Lebanon, and Harrisburg. They're all kind of like a square. Nice. And I grew up in a town in the middle of that square called Elizabethtown. 
Well, there you go. Yep. Well, now that we have our geography lesson out of the way. That's right, man. That's right. Now <laughs> everyone can put a pin in the map and know exactly where we're at. Yeah, and then, and I know your struggle because I grew up in Nashville and people to be like always be like, Oh, Elvis, Graceland. And you're like, No, that's in Memphis. Yeah. That's three hours that way, you know. Right. So so yeah, so I totally just uh, screwed up your our geography lesson for the day. Um great album out, man. Great uh great album, loving it. Thank you. And you know, just <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just everything going on around panic, you know, and the one of my favorite things I learned today was you guys were about to make masks before masks were cool. So tell me about that. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was funny because our guitarist, he's really into like anime culture and, you know, Japanese culture and stuff like that. So um, I thought it was funny because he would always wear a mask like off stage, and his girlfriend who worked for us would wear a mask off stage and our front of house guy and some of our crew maybe wearing masks and a couple years ago his girlfriend actually got us all masks and they had like little you know faces on them like uh you know zippers or teeth or whatever and she's like yeah she's like i wear these when i'm out in public or i'm on a plane and no one talks to me <laughs> so they started wearing these not necessarily for the for to get away from conversation but as you know a style or you know just a fashion statement or if they weren't feeling well they would wear them you know and it would it would stop people from talking to them or they just made them feel like they weren't spreading some sort of sickness around or something like that so and they do that in japan so when we went to japan people were wearing masks a lot like if you don't feel good in japan you wear a mask like so like when you would see someone wearing a mask go oh that person's sick stay away from that person um so they, you know, they they did this this whole thing for culture and fashion, and then um, we had this idea to to sell them in like with glasses. So our glasses and and this mask would make our emoji that we have that goes along with our songs or our albums. And the idea was was become the show, and it was sell these at the door. People would put them on, and then we'd have this awesome idea to have the show. And that came up in 2019. It was like the middle of 2019. We're like putting this idea together. We're going to do this record. Once we release this record and tour on it, we're going to do this, become the show, sell the masks, sell the glasses, and then boom, COVID idea destroyed. <laughs> so were, were they in production and had to stop because governments had to be like, hey, we actually we need to take precedent or, or what happened there? Yep. So we were actually in the middle of producing thousands of these masks. And that's when it hit. And then we got a call from the manufacturer saying, hey, you know, like we kind of got to put your order behind and get all these other orders out first. So, yeah, so it got it got thrown back. And, and the, the whole idea was basically hijacked by uh, a pandemic. So it was just it. We had this what we felt was a brilliant idea. And it was like, wow, it was a little too brilliant. You know what I mean? Like, like we were a little too ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. Pretty uh, pretty nuts to have that kind of foresight and, and not even knowing what you're doing. And I, I was just talking about this recently, but, you know, my wife and I flew to uh, San Francisco back in February. And that's like when people were kind of starting to talk about this whole virus thing. And some people were, you know, starting to wear masks. And that's when you started, like, kind of freaking out a little bit. I mean, obviously, it wasn't until a month later until the lockdowns and stuff started happening. But, you know, the 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 idea of people wearing masks was so foreign at that time and then now it's like i can't leave the house without it yeah you know
And you froze. You froze up. I should be back. There you are. Hey. <laughs> so hey, the, the beauties of doing these things over over Wi-Fi, man. But right. uh, but yeah, we were on tour with Skillet at the time, and we were actually touring through the the West Coast in like January, February in that area when it, you know, supposedly, I, I guess it happened earlier. I, I don't know. But supposedly like, you know, the Seattle area became like ground zero. We were actually there. And <laughs> then we went through LA and we met up with some people. And prior to that, we were in LA working on the album when it hit America. So I, in both of those time frames, I actually got sick. Uh, but the one when we were going through the West Coast tour with Skillet, um everybody got sick like the entire tour package ended up getting sick actually my my bandmates strangely enough didn't get sick but i did and i'm not saying that i went and got an antibody test and we're not we don't need to get into the whole covid thing but just giving you a little story is i can remember when we went through seattle we went through la we ended up in new mexico and when we or we were in new mexico we stopped at the gym the next day we were with friends and family in oklahoma city and that day, I was like, man, oh, no. You know how it feels when you get the flu? Yeah. And you're like, oh, there it is. That's the flu. I felt like that. I was like, oh, man, I'm in the middle of a tour, and here I am getting the flu. Like, this is going to be the worst. Um, so that night, I told everybody, I was like, I'm getting the flu. I'm going to be super sick. I can already feel it. Stay away from me. The next day, we played a show. I was dying. I was so sick. I was like, I told everybody on stage, I was like, I might die here today. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I love you. Thanks for coming. But I still played the show. Um, and then and then the next day, the whole flu thing went away. I didn't feel sick anymore. The only thing I had was this chest congestion that lasted two weeks. So that whole story. And then, you know, fast forward several months later and everyone's talking about all these COVID like, uh, you know, um, symptoms that they have. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> like. You know what I mean? I never got tested to see if I had antibodies, but I'm just like, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that you have in the back of your head. You're going, did I already have this thing? Like, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, I already had this. I know it. So yeah. it's just, so yeah, man, it's wild, man. Like the masks and the touring and just everything was just one big accumulation of holy shit. I mean, can I say holy shit? Oh yeah. Wow. Say okay, cool. You can bleep it out, right? If, if it's yeah. on radio, I don't know how that goes, but, uh, but yeah, it was just one of them, one of them things, man. So what have you done basically for the last year? I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously talking to so many musicians and, you know, obviously they're off just kind of <clears throat> and, you know, everybody's writing new albums and whatnot. So, I mean, where, where are you at in all this? Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the same, I think the hard, the hard thing is with me with writing records is, is obviously you got to be in a certain headspace and I use mood to affect how I write. Like, I don't just, you know, a lot of people can just sit down and write and just like they're writing a story. You know what I mean? Kind of like, like I'm sure Bruce Springsteen, when he would sit down and write songs, like it was like, okay, Jimmy did this. You know what I mean? It was like, he was writing a novel or a book. Me, I, everything is affected by mood. And yeah. this whole thing is, is, has affected my mood into the sense where it has made me feel a bit jaded. So it was like, you know, like, what am I, I think at one point I started questioning, like, what am I even doing this for? Like, when are we going to go back and be musicians again? When are we going to go back to doing what we love? But I think I'm over that hurdle now. So now we're going to work on writing the next record. And, uh, you know, it's tough. I think that anybody that, that is an entertainer it was in, in a position or still currently in a position where they're they're questioning everything because there's just no, 
there's no future in sight. They're, everything's uncertain in this side of the industry. So, you know, just busy work. Try to stay busy, <laughs> do interviews, just do some covers. We did some covers, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into the the quarantine covers, man. I was really enjoying those. Uh, you know, the yeah. one thing, being home, I mean, obviously you got family, you got kids, things like that. And to to just kind of all of a sudden the you know, revenue stream to stop like that. I mean, at, at one, at some point, at one point, you know, you start going, do I need to go back to the you know, cable company? You know, do I need to do that type stuff? You know, can oh, I you get did some homework on me? You know, a little bit about me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you got the kids and you got the, you got the cable company. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, but yeah, man, I, I feel you. And that, and that, that's the thought, you know, it's like, what well, you know, you start asking yourself, like, can we make it through this? And luckily for us, I think we're at that, you know, we're at that level where our fans are supportive enough. They listen to us enough. They buy our merch enough. They they do all that stuff to to just get us by, you know. Yeah. But it's like you start asking yourself how long. And I think that, you know, I think that uh, one of the common misconceptions is, is in, in and this actually happened to my wife and with some of her coworkers, like she was talking about how, like, it's a struggle for us because, if, you know, what I do for a living and not having touring is the biggest part of income for musicians. I think right. most people know that, but if they don't now they do by listening to this, that touring is our biggest part of our income. So what I was getting at is, is like, you know, she had mentioned to a few coworkers, like the struggle that it is being a musician right now and not having touring. Um, and I think that some of the response to that was like, Oh, but you know, look at how much money you make or look at, you know, Look at what you do or look at what your husband does. And and it's like, yeah, but you got to understand, like, like, could you imagine not going to work for a year? Right. You know what I mean? Like, who can do that? And, and, and you can look at, like, you know, the amount of money that someone makes. But, I mean, normally their expenses equal out to what they make. So it's like, sure, like, could – if we didn't end up going back to tour for three years, could we live in a lesser lifestyle and kind of, you know – it, it make it a little bit more basic than what we do sure but then you have to give up everything that you did yeah you know what i mean so it's hard it, the, the mental place and and the financial place and just everything all together being an entertainer and i'm sure that most people feel this way and i'm just more candid i don't have a problem talking about it i'm not scared to talk about it yeah. um so you know i just feel like uh you know we, we are just kind of waiting to get over that hurdle yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, kind of going into you, you're you're talking about, you know, you had just had a kid when you start, you know, got involved in the band mm -hmm. and getting on the road. And one of the reasons I got off of the road was because I had a kid and, you know, I was like looking at the bank account going, these shows aren't paying the bills anymore. Yeah. And, you know, you're getting calls while you're in a van or in a bus driving through Arizona and a kid screaming in the background you know, the, the, you know, his mom is freaking out because there's no support system because you're gone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, it's very, very, I guess it, that's the hardest time to tour and to start a band and to go on tour and things like that. And for you, you know, to, to basically just start the family and then you're like, all right, I got to, you know, we're going to do the band now. You know, that's got to be, uh, I guess, a testament to, to your wife and, you know, just keeping it you know, solid at home. Dude, she should have left me a hundred times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, for for a, a ton of different reasons. But I mean, I mean, I'm I'm obviously kidding. But I mean, it is difficult. You know, I mean, like, you know, uh, 
he was, I think, four or five years old when I started touring. So we were at a point where it was a little more manageable. It's not like he was an infant or a toddler, which, you know, as a parent, you're a parent, right? Yeah. So yeah. as a parent, you understand what those years are like. Um, so it was a little easier. But, yeah, I mean, she was she was doing the single mom role, and it was it wasn't – it, it was a, a different version of it, you know, and I was gone all the time. I mean, now I'm here all the time, but it's easier because he's 12. So trying to play video games. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, dad, I need something to eat. I'm like, cool, man, Go get something. <laughs> you know I mean, like there's the fridge, make a sandwich, bro. Um, but yeah, man, she's a trooper. You know, she supported me from before this started. She supported me as is going on, and she continues to support me as it's moving along. So, and someone needs, you know, someone needs a champion in their corner like that. You know, I needed, I needed someone in my corner every time that I decided, like you were saying, like in the beginning with like the vans and the RVs and stuff like that, and not making any money. I needed someone in my corner going, "You're gonna get there." Just yeah, especially with my personality. Calm down. <laughs> You're gonna get there. We're going to do this. And that's where we were before the pandemic hit. It was really, um, it was really awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we were at a point as a band where it was like, you could see, like we were going from, you know, the, the opener that no one really kind of knew to the opener that everyone's like, yeah, I love this band as the opener to, you know, to the middle band. And, you know, right before this, we were, you know, the headliner in, in decent sized clubs and big venues like, you know, like uh, um, arenas and amphitheaters, we were direct support bands. So it's like, you know, we did the grind. We, we, we went through the grind, we paid our dues. And right before the pandemic hit, we were right there. So it's like, we're ready, man, like to get back and, and see where we're at as a band, especially with this new record. That's such a such a fun time to get into a band, you know, when they are that the the big show opener and you get to watch them and they become your band and and so many bands. I mean, I got to see Corn open for Ozzy back in like '94 or whatever it was, you know, like, like stuff like that. So like, you know, that's when they were my band, and then all of a sudden they're everybody's band. So I mean, a lot of people are going through that with you guys at this point now, and and can support the band. I mean, you know, just look, even looking at YouTube views and things like that. I mean, you guys are killing it. Uh, when it comes to, to, to views and comments and, you know, the fan engagement and all that stuff, man, it's, it's, it's a good time, you know, in the band. Yeah. You know, and I, and I talk about quite often, you know, people consider us a new band. Like every time I see someone talking about, you know, a particular thing with Formashes to new when they're not too familiar, especially in the world of radio and things like that, they're like this new band. And it's like, for me, like we've been a band since 2013. Yeah. So, you know, we're not new really at all. Like in the grand scheme of things, I mean, if you think about bands of this genre and like where they were at eight years into their career, like if you think about bands like Lincoln Park or Papa Roach or Disturbed or Corn, or you could keep going down the line, um, Slipknot, you know, think about where they were eight years into their career. Yeah. You know, they were massive. So, you know, for us to be eight years into our career and people still think that we're new is, is, is awesome because that gives our band so much more longevity. Like we have the ability to be able to continue doing what we're doing for the next 15 years because people still think we're new, you know? So um, it's exciting, man. It really is. The future of this band is very bright um, and we continue to make awesome music and the, and the chemistry of the guys in the band is incredible. So, you know, I'm, like I said, really looking to the, looking forward to the other side of all this craziness to see exactly what's going to happen with From Ashes to New. So let's talk to my cable company because I do have one funny joke for you, one funny anecdote for you. Uh, you know, you 
I'm assuming we're like in the truck side, you know, you were going to the houses, fixing things Yeah. for about three months. I worked for charter communication cable, but I was in the call center. So I was rolling trucks, you know, like, and you know, you'd be like, Hey, you know, they call in and be like, Hey, I can't get my thing to work. I need somebody to come out, you know? Yeah. I once rolled a truck because an old lady could not figure out how to program her remote. Been there a million times. <laughs> so I'm assuming the tech on the other end of this call was just like, that motherfucker sent me we, out for this. We love those calls. Yeah. We did. Like, uh, like you would get a you would get a work order that would have like this very detailed thing about why it wasn't working. And then, you know, as a technician and, and being trained and doing those things, you could go, oh, that's it. That's an unprogrammed remote or or the, the best one was is TV not on channel three. Like it was like, you know what I mean? Like those are the calls. And especially like when I started back in the day, they didn't have like all the technology GPS followed us around, had all the stuff on our, you know, uh, iPhones or whatever. Like it was paper work orders. So yeah. it was like you got a set amount of work orders a day. So, you know, I I could work a, an 11 hour shift with some overtime and, and really work like four to five hours of that. Right. Because I would get a call for program remote or, you know, TV not on three. The best one I had though is I went to this older woman's house and, um, you know, you see all sorts of stuff when you do that job. Just mind you, like you're going into people's homes. So you see everything. And I've got stories for days as to some of what some of my coworkers had seen and what I had seen. But I went into this lady's house and it was piled up to, I don't know, probably almost waist high with garbage, the whole inside of the house. And she had a pathway like in the, it was like she had shoveled it out with a snow shovel and she had a pathway in the garbage as to how she would maneuver around the house. <clears throat> and the reason that she called was that the cable box, she had it on top of her television. It was like an old glass television. She had it on the top of the television and it fell off the back. And that was the reason she called was for us to come back out and pick it up and put it back on top of the TV. And when I got there, I said, you know, is there anything else that you need? And she's like, well, I lost my remote. And if you saw the house, you would assume as to why she lost her remote. Um, I said, well, you know, do you want another one? She said, no, that's okay. I said, she said, just put it on channel eight and leave it there. She's like, I'll watch that for a couple months. Wow. I was like, wow, like he's going to watch the same cable channel for a few months and then what? Call us back when it falls off the back again, have a switch channel for you. There you go. But, but I mean, there's a million stories, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. a wild job. It was actually kind of fun. Yeah, some of the stuff you calls for. The one the one that always sticks out to me was a lady called in and she said she sat down on her couch and her TV went off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, it's on process. I'm like, what is that? Sitting on like, that remote. I was like, where's your remote? And she took a minute and she was sitting on it. I'm yeah. like, you really like that was your first thing was to call yeah. and wonder why what happened with the uh <laughs> rather than look for the remote first. But yeah, it was at least it wasn't like that Larry the cable guy joke where he's like, Yeah, he's like every time I fart the channel changes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, like well, you get that call, you leave. Twenty two minutes in, do you want to talk some music? I don't know. I mean if you want to. <laughs> it's up to you, man. I, I, I talk music all day, I'm pretty good at it. That's good. Uh you know, these these the couple of quarantine covers I checked out sounded pretty freaking phenomenal, man. I was, you know, the tears don't fall. One of my favorites, obviously nightmare, another one in one of my favorites there. And you guys tackled it and uh, killed it, man. So tell me about uh, kind of just the rundown of doing those, those covers. Are you 
are you guys all recording separately and then doing the videos and things like that? Yeah. So obviously if we all played together on zoom, it would be a nightmare because the timing literally like we would sound, you know, we would sound like that, that bandits in the fifth grade, like uh talent show. Yeah. If we did that doing uh some Europe, but anyway, um, I saw one of those the other day. I, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. It's probably the same thing. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's why I mentioned it. Um, but yeah, man, you know, we're, we're all in different areas, so we're not, we're not together. We're all in different States, different cities. Um, so the idea was initially the idea was, was we were just going to do a few covers just to get through. We were like, Hey, why don't we do like three or four covers just to kind of get through this pandemic, get out the other side. Cause remember in the beginning it was slow, the curve, slow, the curve. And yeah. we're like, okay, you know, a few months off. It's nothing big. We'll do a few covers. We'll get back out. And then one thing led to the next, and we're like, man, okay, I guess we're going to do more of these things. So um, we recorded them on our own. We recorded our parts, and then we sent them to Lance, our guitarist. Lance is, uh, you know, we all have our own studios and rigs, but he's got a, a pretty good ear for things. So we, we recorded our parts, sent them to Lance, did our videos as we were recording our parts, and uh, put it all together and released it. Um, and now we're actually we're actually in the middle of getting a few of them remixed so we can put them up on like Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that. Um, if we put them up the way that they are right now, the, I'm sure that you're familiar with like the DSP compression, like the compression would just obliterate the songs. So right now we're getting them to the point where they can actually be put onto these platforms so people can enjoy them every day rather than having to go to YouTube and watch the video. Yeah, they've been pretty. Yeah, they're 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 pretty amazing. It seemed like you know once again just you know trolling the comment section trying to see what everybody else is thinking. Obviously, I mean everybody seems to be on board, man. It's it's a lot of uh, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of great comments. I think one of the things that makes it difficult is is, and I talk about this a lot, and sometimes it, it pisses some people off, but it's kind of like how fake things are nowadays. Like you know, and not just with music, but with movie, you know, video and photos and not knowing if that's what an actual person looks like anymore or not knowing if that's what they actually sound like. We did this so it was like a very live sound. Yeah. Sure, there was some editing because we put it in, you know, to a to a computer and put it all together. But, you know, we did it as raw as we could to, to kind of give that live vibe. Um, and I think that there's there's a little bit of like you know you'll see a band and be like oh we did this live and you listen to it and you go that's not live at all like that's clearly like you know studio programmed and, and all and all done like for us it was like how raw can we keep this without it you know without it sounding like we were all together on a zoom call trying to record this and that was that's what we did with these songs to try and you know kind of like that nirvana unplugged back in mtv when they were doing that stuff like kind of give that vibe off so growing up you know, obviously you've got a very new metal sound to this band. So, I mean, what were your bands growing up? Um, well, I mean, growing up, I was a hip hop fan first. So I, uh, I mean, you, you name a rapper back in like the, the late nineties, early two thousands. That's what I was really into. Um, Lincoln park was the first metal band that I listened to. Um, and that was forced on me. So, I mean, I listened to metal before that because my sister listened to stuff like metallica and then the grunge era she listened to she was a huge green day fan not necessarily metal but rock and punk yeah, yeah. um so i had known those bands but i wasn't really a big fan of that stuff um and then my buddy forced lincoln park down my throat one day when we were swimming when we were kids and he was huge into like slipknot and mudvayne and stuff like that so 
Uh, I hadn't really understood those bands at that time. I didn't get it. You know, corn was already a really big thing, and all my friends were into corn, and I didn't get it. I was into I was into Eminem and Dr. Dre and Tupac and Biggie and Bone Thugs. You know, so Lincoln Park, Lincoln Park was my introduction to metal, and from that point, like I got it. You know what I mean? So kudos to that band for really taking a lot of people like myself and bringing us from rap over to you know, to metal and rock. And then from that point, it kind of spiraled out of control. The first album I bought was Animosity by Seven Dust. Um, it's a good place to start. Yeah, I walked into the CD store to get Hybrid Theory and Praise was playing over the, the speakers. And I was like, asked the person that worked there, I was like, what is this? And then they told me it was Seven Dust's new album. And I was like, dad, that's the one I want. And I actually got that and walked out with that. But then it was just like anything I could find, man. Anything that was metal that I could find, I had like 600 CDs. So, I mean, if you talk from the, you know, early 2000s up until, you know, 2000, probably 15, I had pretty much everything in there. You brought up Dr. Dre in there. And the one thing I've been thinking about lately, and I haven't really had anybody to, to bounce this off of, but, you know, how big metal is compared to rap and everybody's always like well is metal dead and blah 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 but the one thing that i noticed was when dr dre had his brain aneurysm the amount of people from every genre that came out of the woodwork to be just like you know get well dr dre everybody is you know uh, you know feeling sad you know sad for him and hopefully hoping the best for him so it's it's that just kind of goes to show you i think right there like how big that genre is compared to what we, you know what we enjoy in the metal world yeah, I mean, rap's huge, but, you know, I think I have a bit of a controversial take on that. All right, go ahead. And um, rap evolves, you know, rap, and, and and it evolves in a way that people in, enjoy it. I think that it stays, I think it stays true to its form, but offers something fresh as time moves along. Not only that, um, it they, they work with each other. You know, rappers all work with each other. Pop stars all work with each other. It's sure it's a sure it's a competition. Anything's a competition. When you get two quarterbacks on a team and there's a competition there, it's healthy though. Yeah. They're competing with each other to be the best that they can be. They're not competing with each other to destroy each other. And I'm not saying that that is what happens in the the rock and metal side all the time, but it does happen. And I'm also not saying that it doesn't happen in rap because it does. Obviously, there's battles and there's beef and there's all that stuff. So. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people pulling each other along. You'll see bigger artists trying to bring up these smaller artists and continue to freshen up that side of the industry while our side of the industry is a little bit more stale. But at the same time, I don't think that the rock and metal side of the industry has necessarily evolved in the way that the fans want to see it evolve. So I think that there's kind of a catch 22 there because you know, I think that, and, and, and I think that we've been guilty of this as well. And I, I think about this in hindsight, because hindsight's clearer than obviously what you're looking at right now, right? So I think about this in hindsight. Was there a, a situation where we may have tried to include pop a little too much into our sound? You know, and it does the rock and metal, everyday rock and metal fan really want pop music? Like, or do they want to hear rock and metal? Because if they want pop music, they can go listen to pop music right and if they're listening to pop music do they want their pop star to be screaming and be all metal with heavy guitars or would they rather just go listen to metal music and i think that that same thing exists so blending genres i think is really really difficult and i guess what i'm really getting at to really sum the story up 
is that, you know, maybe rock and metal should stay away from so much pop and just kind of really hone in on that rock and metal sound and bring back that sound that everyone loves and enjoys. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying there. And I think a lot of guys that listen to metal, they don't evolve as much as, you know, because the the 50-year-old metalhead probably not going to be a big fan of From Ashes to New. There's probably some out there, don't get me wrong. But that's not your demographic. Your demographic is going to be younger because they the the 50-year-old guy didn't get into Linkin Park. He was like, that's too pussy. You know, it wasn't, you know, sure. anything after 91, you know, it's, it's, it all sucks, you know. So the music doesn't evolve, but the fan also doesn't necessarily evolve either. You know, it's, there's not a lot of people that continue to evolve in this metal thing. It's like we listened to the metal that we liked when we were 14, and that is it, you know, yeah. like a lot of that. Yeah, I don't necessarily say that it's I, – I, I guess I wasn't really trying to say that it didn't evolve or it doesn't evolve. Yeah. I'm just – I guess in some aspects it's not evolving in the right direction, Yeah, I think. I think that the evolution is a little bit is – is a little bit cloudy. I'm not sure that everyone has like a, a set vision as to where they want to go with this genre of music, and that makes it you know really hard for a fan to go – I like this band. I like this band. You know what I mean? Like, if you listen to pop music, it's basically just pop music. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like they have, like, a bunch of different genres mixed up into one. Now, there's a few artists. Post Malone does it. Like, he'll mix some things up, and people really enjoy that. But it doesn't get too it doesn't get too far away from what he's doing to where a fan goes, ah, I really don't like what he's doing there. Yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes, and again, From Ashes to New has been guilty of this. I think sometimes we get a little too far away. Like we we experiment a little too much, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't experiment because we've done it. Uh, but I think that this this side of the industry has a particular sound that they want to hear, and I think that's why you see a lot of the same bands headlining festivals like Disturbed and Corn and Slipknot and Five Finger Death Punch. I mean, Five Finger Death Punch is a great example. Those dudes are killer, and they found a sound, and boom, they stick with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they've created album after album after album that has had that same sound that their fans know and love. And I think that, uh, you know, Disturbed does that. You know, there's a lot of bands in our side of the industry that rule with an iron fist that have found that sound. Breaking Benjamin, another great example, have found that sound and continue on with it and look at their fans. Their fans are there. They're, they're supportive. They're selling out arenas. You know what I mean? Like they're they're huge bands, and I think that I think that we can all take a page out of their book and go, okay, you know, what are they doing right? Because they're clearly doing something right. Yeah, they're definitely connecting. I guess another thing on the evolve side of it, you know, you're talking about hip hop evolving, and you know, I just turned 41, and I'm to the point now to where my 15 year old listens to the mumble rap stuff, the sound <laughs> rappers. And, and I'm truly like the old man going, you know, this isn't hip hop. This isn't rap. You know, you need to listen to this and handing him Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg or something like that. And, and I'm, I'm fighting my old man urges not to listen and actually enjoy it. And I'm trying to find certain things that I like in there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be the old guy on the on the block, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely hard, man. It's definitely I, I understand now I understand how my parents felt when I started yeah. you know Metallica and Megadeth around. And yep. like, this isn't Led Zeppelin, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I grew up in a Christian household, so you can imagine the culture shock my parents had with Eminem. Um you know, but I mean I I caught myself doing the same thing, especially with mumble rap. Yeah. Like, you know, that 
and, and I don't know if they like being classified as mumble rap, but I mean, like they've obviously gotten, yeah. you know, they've obviously gotten that drawn that comparison. But I did the same thing, and I'll give you a, a perfect example. Um, have you heard of the artist Little Little Pete? Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he he obviously passed, but um, they all know <laughs> when he was when he was rising. Like I didn't get it. I I didn't even really listen to it because I knew what side of the industry he was on. You know, the SoundCloud rappers, what they were calling, I guess, that genre. And I was like, ah, I can't get into this. Like, this is not my thing. And my drummer, Maddie, he's like, he's so he, he, culturally appropriate. Like, he really knows, like, what's happening. I guess maybe culturally appropriate is the wrong way to say it. But I'm not, I'm not good with this stuff. But anyway, he, he knows what's going on. He's up with the trends, you know. So he was, like, into that stuff. And I would give him shit for it. I'd be like, dude, this is, what are you listening to? And then one day I watched a documentary of Lil Peep on Netflix and like I would just I like to watch musicians and like their growth and see where they came from and where they're going and how they got there. It's very inspiring to me. Yeah. So I watched it and I was like, man, like, you know, this isn't the person I thought it was at all. Like this was a troubled individual. Like, sure, he was young. Like he was like 19. And it's like, sure, like he was young, but he was troubled. And like, I think that all of us can relate to something in our youth that made us troubled. Um, if not, maybe you're not human. I don't know. Right. But uh, so I related to that and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go listen to his music now. And I went and I listened to his music and I'm like, okay, all right. I know the person. I know the story behind the person now. I'm listening to the music and I'm like, you know what? I enjoy this. I actually enjoy this. So I actually got into Little Pete because of that. And then I, and, and from that point forward, I went, you know what? Maybe I should not look at it the same way. Maybe, maybe there's something here that I don't recognize. Maybe there is something that, you know, that culture recognizes that I don't, and I should give everything its fair shake. And then that reminded me of when I was younger in my teens when, you know, new metal and I was into hip hop and I didn't like metal. That reminded me of that time where I was like, nah, metal, that's not for me. I, I'm not into that. I'm a rap fan. Screw metal. And then I gave it its fair shake and I went, oh, holy shit. I really like this. This is this is dope. So I I, I kind of you know went full circle and uh, now I don't really do that with anything. I just kind of try to give everything an open mind and open opinion. Yeah, it's definitely a tough thing. And I'll, I'll watch a documentary on any band ever, no matter how much I love or hate the band. And yep. I always walk away going, damn it. I kind of like them now. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I did that with Taylor Swift. Yeah. It was like the thing that was on Netflix. I watched that, you know, I never got into her music. And sure, people were, you know, going to castrate me for saying Taylor Swift's a good artist. But like, you know, when you look at the backstory and you look behind the scenes and the amount of brilliance that goes into writing, you know, because she writes a lot of her own stuff. And when you get that big, you got tons of people writing your stuff for you. You get the best of the best writing your stuff for you. So, like, to be able to see what she was capable and is capable of doing was very eye-opening to me. It's going, you know what, maybe I shouldn't judge a book by its cover, or maybe I shouldn't judge a book by what people are saying about that book. Maybe I should read that book for myself. Yeah. Taylor Swift, pride of Hendersonville High School. My, She's an alumni of mine, I guess, wherever you call that. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, she's actually from Pennsylvania. Do you know that? Yeah, she's Pennsylvania, and I guess she went to school in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is where I was from. Uh, so yeah, hey, there we go. There's our connection right there. there. Is, man. Taylor Swift's our connection. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I once ran into her at a uh, ice cream shop, and uh, she was very nice and polite. She let me go ahead of her. 
Did you physically run into her? No, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I would. I should have actually checked her into the ice cream counter. Yeah. I was like, give me some of that Rocket Road. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, so yeah, it's 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 awesome. And it, those are the type of people too that you your preconceived notion of a Taylor Swift or a Justin Timberlake or any of those guys and gals. You're just like they are in a factory. They walk in. They get handed a lyrics. They sing them one time. Then the computer makes it right and blah blah blah. And then you watch a documentary like there was one recently about the uh, the first Justin Timberlake solo album, and you see him and a bunch of dudes just sitting around jamming and and like yep. writing those songs and stuff. And you're like, all right, well, I guess they are artists. You know, not saying that Justin Timberlake's not an artist, but you just you just always assume it's guys in suits and you know men yeah. in black type things. Just uh, you know, here's here's the record industry in this box. You know, sign your life away or something. But yeah, it's it's pretty pretty amazing to watch those type things. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes for sure, man. Like so much that people don't realize. And, you know, even I don't realize being in the industry for as long as I am, I'll still see something like, wait, what? Really? That happened? <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's cool, man. It's cool to learn. It's cool. It's cool to uh, diversify myself, continue to expand my taste in music, expand uh, my knowledge behind the scenes. And, and I think that that's one of the things that helps keep from ashes to new, what people call us a new band is just to, you know, just stay open-minded, really. And I closed my mind off and got jaded there for a little bit, but I'm back out. I'm here. <clears throat> well, maybe if you would have called the band from Ashes to Old, then they would have think you were an old band. Right. It's the new word. That's what it is. <laughs> like, wait, they can never be. They can never be an older band. They're continuously rebirthing themselves. There you go. Um, I see you're wearing an Eagles hat, I believe. So yep. uh, let's talk. This will be out after the Super Bowl, so we we can edit this twice. Where that you were correct about the uh, the Super Bowl winner, but no, uh, you know what? Do you, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, Super Bowl coming up that just happened in real life. <laughs> well, the, the Super Bowl just happened. Uh, I mean, my thoughts are that that it's just the Chiefs. It's unstoppable. I think they're at the dynasty level, and regardless of what Tom Brady is capable of doing, because we all know. Wherever Tom Brady goes, Tom Brady takes to the playoffs or Super Bowl or whatever. Um, I just think that that the Chiefs are in dynasty mode right now. And I think it's locked up there for a second. Yep. You there? Yep. All right. I was just saying I'm happy for Andy Reid's. You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. You got it? Okay, cool. Uh, I was just saying, I'm happy for Andy Reid's success. Honestly, like being an Eagles fan, he deserves it. He's, he's uh, you know, he's went through the shit and he's come out the other side, and here he is getting his rings. So, it's cool to see. Wish he was doing it with a uh, an Eagles hat on, but you know, <laughs> he's doing it, and I'm happy for him. So, so can you say that now that the Eagles <laughs> have won? Like, if you had never won, you'd be like, you know, anti uh, anti him getting his rings now. No, I support people, man. I think that we do too much as people to tear each other down, you know? And I, like I said, I went through an area of being jaded where I just wanted to look at other bands and be like, oh, to hell with you. Why are you big? You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and I think that I'm, I'm just as big a football fan as I am a music fan. Me too. So awesome, man. I mean, it's the, the two ways of life, if you ask me. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so no, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to see people succeed. I don't like seeing people fail. You know, I, I, I wouldn't want to fail. So if you're a good person, I don't want to see you fail. I want to see you win. Um, if you're a shitty person, I want to see you fail. You know, that's how it works for me. 
and I'm assuming you're like me in this one. You've been around enough musicians to where it's not, I mean, it's still cool when you're around your favorites, but it's not as crazy. But I mean, have you been around mm -hmm. athletes and you get, uh, you know, had any run-ins with, uh, with any athletes? Cause those, um, are, those are kind of freak me out. Not personally. I, I, uh, exchanged some, uh, some DMS on Instagram with Brandon Graham, the okay. linebacker from the Eagles. And, uh, it was like a fan had asked, like, who's your favorite football player or whatever? Who's your favorite Eagle? And I was like, you know, BG all, all day. Like, you know, <laughs> his, his personality, his ethic. Um, he's that he's that Cinderella story. I love the fact that Brandon Graham was drafted number one out of Michigan. Like the first two to three years was not utilized properly. They were talking about how big of a bust he is. And should have went to the Pro Bowl the last several years didn't made it to the Pro Bowl this year. He was the one who strip sacked Tom Brady at the end of the Super Bowl to to win the game. Nice, you know. So it was like you know his story is very inspiring. Um, he's a hell of a personality. So I ended up saying you know that in short and sweet, and uh, and then he ended up hitting me back, and we chatted for a little bit. And like for me, I was like telling my wife, I'm like, you know, music. I was like, I could talk to really any musician, and I'm not really gonna have that like that feeling, you know. But for some reason, when I talked to BG, it was like, this is Brandon Graham. Like I'm talking to Brandon Graham right now. This is the coolest thing ever. So yeah, it, it was cool, man. I, I once took uh, uh, some <laughs> hockey players that were on the Tampa Bay Lightning out, like four of them out to a bar when they were in town and playing in Nashville. And I'd been in, you know, been in clubs with, with guys in bands all the time and girls couldn't, couldn't have given a shit. Right. But I, I took in these four hockey players and like, it, you could see it spreading. And then they started and like girls started coming to me like, Hey, is it okay if I go talk to them and, and all that stuff, man, it was, it was, in, it was insane. The different energy that the, that the sports guys brought that the, uh, the musicians bring. We got to fix this shit, man. <laughs> like we we gotta we gotta fix it, bro. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the look. I don't know if it's the stigma. I don't know if it's the 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 idea that musicians don't make money and they're traveling around in vans. Right. I don't know what's going on there, bro. But we gotta fix it. Yeah, I mean, if it would have been like the '80s or something, maybe if you brought in some rock stars and oh, and, and the place would blow up. But yeah, that, yeah. that stigma is not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, we we got to we got to fix this. We got to put together a plan post COVID to fix this thing up, man. I noticed that you're a Titans fan. I am. I was a big Steve McNair fan. Oh, big. Yeah, he was a monster. I was actually watching highlights of him the other day. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a McNair jersey from when I was a kid, and one of my school pictures wearing a McNair jersey. Yeah. I didn't really like when I was really young. I liked football, but I didn't really have a team. So my dad owned a sports card member is a sports card and memorabilia store growing up. Oh yeah, that's cool. So like I was into it, man. Like I had, you know, everything. It was great. It was spoiled in the sports card world, you know. So um I I liked players and I guess it's just my mentality. I always liked the players that didn't get a ton of exposure, but were really good. And Steve McNair was one of those players, was just that dude was made out of iron. Like he was I mean, dude, dude played with a broken sternum for God's sakes. Like, you know, I mean, and unfortunately he's not, not with us anymore. And that was a very tragic story. Um, but like just the underdog story of Steve McNair and them going, you know, just so close to the, to the Super Bowl and, you know, the whole, everything that happened and Eddie George, I loved Eddie George as well. Like I was a big Eddie George fan and it all stemmed from the Oilers and just kind of went over into the Titans. 
Yeah, they would always talk about how he never once like went in the weight room. He would just go home into Mississippi and work on his farm and uh, to get strong, Steve McNair. And then like that whole sternum thing, like that whole season, he slept in a chair because he couldn't lay down. <laughs> like, dude, Superman. Yeah. Like, incredible. And that, that story is so inspiring. It's like, it's the will to, if you want to do something as a human being, nothing is going to stop you. Nothing. Yeah. It, you just have to have that drive, and he had that drive, and it's just super inspiring. Yeah, that was one of the the few people that I haven't met. Like I met Eddie George back in the day and things like that, but but yeah, that was one that I wished over the time you know you could have met kind of thing. And and uh, actually, someone called into a radio station not too long ago said that after a game they were driving home and just stopped into KFC to use the bathroom and to grab some food, and behind him in line was Steve McNair. Like post game, like right after the game, he's That's just awesome. like, he's like, yeah, I just wanted some chicken. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Like I, I would have been, I would have been starstruck. And and Eddie George is another story because, I mean, the dude was huge. He shouldn't have been a running back. You know, he's six foot tall. Like what running back is six foot tall? Like two, what was he? Like two forty? He was gigantic. And the dude's knees were made of glass. You know, like I can't imagine that he can even walk anymore is, you know, after his NFL career, he was just destroyed. So, I mean, it's just another inspiring story because, you know, he was he played through so many injuries as well. Knee injuries and just and just like the, the toughness and the grit of those two individuals and them being teammates was just, you know, it was it was electric. It was something that I was a big fan of. Um, and you know, got me away from being an Emmett Smith Troy Aikman duo fan. I was, you know, <laughs> I was on the outside Steve McNair and Eddie George duo fan. Nice, yeah. The uh, first game I ever went to was Christmas Day, Titans versus Cowboys, and uh, Titans shut them out. But yeah, it was it was the, the I, I think Emmett and Troy Aikman were both still playing and shut them out Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. That's awesome, man. And anytime the Cowboys get shut out now, I'm I'm a huge fan, <laughs> a huge fan. <laughs> Well, good man. Uh, last thing I guess we'll do with uh, with the football is uh, you know who's going to be your quarterback next year, dude. I hope it's Carson. I really do. Um, I think you know people are mad because he hasn't come out and said anything, you know, about obviously all the controversy as the the season ended and where it's at now with Jalen Hurts and. But I, I I hope it's Carson because I just think that I think that he has the ethic as well. I really do. Like, I feel like he will work to get to where he needs to go. It's just, I, I just think that he's a system kid, you know? And it's like, you know, when when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I think Frank Wright had him in the, the correct system and the way that they were using him. Same with, like, just him going out and then Nick Foles coming in. And it was like a seamless transition. You could tell that someone behind the scenes knew how to how to play to these guys' strengths. And I think over the course of the last year, it has definitely deteriorated, um, you know, the coaching and the connection between the coaching and the player and playing to, you know, the player's strengths. Not only that, getting him real skilled position players. Like, the dude has been playing with no skilled position players with the with the, with the um, uh, exception of Sanders. Sanders is, is, is an incredible talent. But, I mean, there's no offensive line. They're constantly injured. There's no skill position players. I mean, like you put anybody that's elite in that situation, they're really going to have a hard time. Yeah. You know, I mean, could you imagine Tom Brady not having an offensive line? I mean, what what would he do if he had a guy in his face every time? Would he still be the Tom Brady that we see today? You know, or would he be somebody different? And, uh, you know, that was a lot of the end of the Patriots run was he didn't have as many players around him. And he looked like a, you know, he looked like a 40 something year old quarterback. 
Yep. Now he goes to Tampa, gets a bunch of weapons, and then all yep. of a sudden he's fountain of youth, Tom Brady. Exactly, man. And I think that you can see the same thing with Carson Wentz. And it's funny, I will, I will, I will dial back a little bit. When the Eagles drafted, when Andy Reid drafted Nick Foles, it was this it was the third round, and everyone had passed on Foles, even though he had broken all of Breeze's records in Texas and all the stuff that he did. Um they, everybody passed on him when, when they when they drafted him. I was like, okay, I was like, his footwork is not necessarily there. He's a little slow. I was like, but this dude's arm, I was like, he's going to be the guy. I literally said this when they drafted him. I was like, Nick Foles is going to be the guy who brings the Eagles that ring. It gets him the it gets him the trophy. And, um, you know, they traded him, and I was like, well, I guess there that goes that. Like, that's not going to happen. And then they brought him back, and he got him the ring. And I was like, this is crazy, man. Like, you know, I knew that that guy had something special if he was put into the right system. And I think that – you know, I think that that's what Andy Reid has always done well, and I think that's what what happened. What you're seeing with Mahomes, Mahomes is just in the right system, and you put these guys in the in the right position to win, and and it happens. You know, I mean, could you imagine taking your favorite singer from your favorite band and putting them in a different band? It might not work, right? You know, oh, so yeah. I mean, it's it's chemistry, my man, and they, and then you're seeing that with the Chiefs, and I uh, hope that we can get back there with the Eagles. All right, man. What's the uh, the future from? From from ashes to new of from ashes to new world domination, my man. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, just stay busy, stay working, continue to progress, continue to grow. You know, I mean, uh, we've got uh, we've got some ideas for more new music coming forward and are going forward, and it's just you know continue to continue to evolve our sound, but at the same way, um, keep it nostalgic. I think is what we're gonna we're gonna aim for. And then the, um, you know, with the, you know, Danny Wimmer stuff kind of popping up with festivals kind of popping around, you know, um, there does, there does seem, seem to be some sort of light at the end of this tunnel. I mean, one would like to hope so, right? I mean, we're talking about it. So, you know, I mean, there's nothing there that's visual proof, but I mean, we are talking about it. So th that's the first step. And hopefully we, hopefully we uh, progress to the second step and, and, and get there. I think that not just, you know, the, the bands, the musicians, the artists, but I think that the fans need it, man. You know, I think that everybody everybody needs their fix, right? And and, and we're, we're long overdue. And uh, on this Retaliators film, I saw that you guys did the song, but uh, are you are you a part of the actual movie? We are. We're, we are ourselves in the movie. Okay. So we are just playing. We're like, you know, we're like that. We're not like from Dusk Till Dawn where the band gets shredded up and turned in, into guitars. Yeah. You know what I mean? We actually make it out because the movie is like a you know horror thriller, um, so a lot of people die. We are fortunate enough to live, so I'm, pre I'm pretty happy. I'm giving that part away. From right, Ashton, right. does not die in this movie, <laughs> which my wife was pretty happy about because when we were originally cast to do the movie, she was like, "Are you gonna die?" And I was like, "I, I don't know." Like originally, the idea was is that we were going to be murdered, and it was like. She's like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, if I'm going to be able to watch my husband get killed, I don't know if I can do that. And I was like, you know, when she found out that we weren't, she's like, all right, good. That's that's good. You're not dying in this movie. Wow. Yeah, that looks like a lot of fun, man. I was watching some of the trailers before we before we talked, and uh, you know, seeing Chris Kale and all those guys in it too. It's gonna to looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun once it's out. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've seen clips and pieces, but you know, we'll see. I'm I'm excited to see it. <laughs> All right, man. And uh, just throw out some plugs, man. What is the best way to follow you and in uh, the band? 
you can type in from ashes to new literally anywhere and, and you'll find us except for TikTok. I think someone owns that. We, we got to the TikTok game a little late and someone else took our name um, and started posting videos and stuff. But I mean, whatever. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so everywhere it is from ashes to new TikTok, it is FATN official. You're gonna have to go after that TikTok guy and try to get the get the name back. You know, we tried. We we tried. Uh, I, I don't I don't know exactly what's happening there, but you know we're growing it where we're at. We were, like I said, we we're late to the TikTok game. I was part again part of the crowd that was like, I don't get this shit. I don't want to be. You know what I mean? And it's like in my side of the industry, I think I got to be a little bit more open minded to ways to reach fans. So you know, finally started kind of getting into it, and the the quarantine covers that we did are, are doing pretty well on TikTok. So it's pretty cool to see. So what you need to do is when your son comes home from school or however you're doing it every day, be like, what's the next thing? What's the, yeah. new, you know, because they're going to know before anybody, any of us do. He's on Roblox 24 seven, man. This is what the game's called. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mine, my kids are on that too. That and Fortnite and all that stuff. So, so if you can get, you know, in Roblox, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Just get one of the, get one of our songs in Roblox. I'm not sure that I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know what's kid appropriate and not anymore, honestly. So I, I really don't know what works. You know, back in the day, metal was like, that's not kid appropriate. Nowadays it's like metal. We should put that in G TV shows. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't know what's what anymore. I, I'm completely confused, man. Up is down, left is right. Dogs and cats are getting along. It's crazy. Culture shock, my friend. Culture shock. <laughs> well, Matt, man, this has been a blast, and I uh, hope you had fun yourself. Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Huge thank you to Matt for coming on the show. Like we said, we got our Super Bowl predictions wrong. Congratulations again to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as always, guys, make sure to head over to CMSPN.com, rate, review, subscribe to the show. You can review this show right on the CMSPN.com webpage. So go over there, let all the other shows know that you're listening and watching this show and let them know what you think about my show, my new metal show, talking to some new metal guys. It's been a lot of fun, so head over there, CMSPN.com, or you can hit it through TalkToMePod.com. Let them know what you're thinking about this show, this episode, and everything that we do here at the Talk To Me podcast. So until next Wednesday for the Talk To Me podcast, I've been Joshua Toomey. Thank you guys for checking out the show. If you're a fan of the Classic Metal Show and you've progressed past a flip phone, then you better have the CMS app on your phone. Get it today. It's in both the Google and iOS app stores. It's the CMS app. Get it. It's got everything you would possibly want from the CMS. So get it today and stay connected to the CMS.